Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, we are again observing our cross-bound Savior, this time just a short time before his crucifixion. And yet, as we see Jesus institute the Lord's Supper, we see that this celebration of the Passover meal with the disciples became something far more important, something with a lasting legacy, not just for the disciples, but for us as well. That's our focus tonight as we see the meal of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you just to kind of talk with somebody close to you just for a moment. I want you to think about if there is one meal that you can remember from your life, one memorable meal that you participated in, that if you just had to think and write down one that was your favorite, which would you choose? Go ahead and just talk with somebody close to you. All right, were you able to come up with one? Here's my guess, and it's a total guess. I mean, maybe it was the first Happy Meal you had at McDonald's, but I think maybe you reached a little higher than that for the most part. I, I'm going to guess that most of you thought about maybe a really special restaurant that you went to with exquisite food where you've just never had something like that before. But I bet there's others who thought, you know what, I have a favorite meal that's at home, that every time it's served, that's my favorite meal. Or maybe, just maybe your favorite meal really didn't have much to do with the food at all, but the people with whom you ate that meal. Maybe all of those are possible to kind of add up to you being able to remember one specific memorable meal. And if you think about Jesus' words in Luke chapter 22 tonight, isn't that exactly what he's leaving behind for the disciples and for us? A meal that is meant to be memorable, a meal that is meant to be memorable not just for us, but for us to remember what our Savior has done for us. And that's the focus of our worship tonight as we look at Luke's words. The meal of Jesus is a selfless meal, but it's also a memorable meal. Listen again to Luke as he sets the stage for the miracle in chapter 22, verses 14 to 16. When the hour came, Jesus, said to, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. You know, this is Monday, Thursday evening. You know that Jesus is literally hours away, maybe 13, 14, 15 hours away from his crucifixion, dying for the sins of the whole world. And yet, did you re listen to those words? Who's he thinking about? Who are his thoughts directed to as he considers the unbearable suffering that he's about to endure? Did you hear it? I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you, he says to his disciples. Maybe we have to just go back a little bit to remember what the Passover was all about. You, I'm sure, can remember that, that the Passover was instituted all the way back in Egypt when the 10th plague was visited upon the people of Egypt by God. Do you remember what the Israelites were to do that day? 
that they were to select a year-old lamb, that they were to sacrifice that lamb and then take the blood of that lamb and, and spread the blood on the doorposts and the door frames of their houses. And that blood would save. It would save them from death that was coming to the firstborn in Egypt. After the events of the Passover, when God led the people out of Israel, he asked them, instructed them to commemorate that day. Every year they were supposed to celebrate the Passover by looking back and looking ahead. They could look back and remember the deliverance that God had given them, how he had protected them and led them out of Egypt, ultimately to the land that he had promised them. But they also looked ahead, didn't they? Because that lamb, the Passover lamb, was a picture of the coming Savior. That Passover lamb that was sacrificed, whose blood saved, that was to bring to mind for people the Messiah that was coming, the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. Did the disciples fully understand what was happening that night? It doesn't seem like they did. And maybe how could we blame them? After all of the years of celebrating the Passover to commemorate what had happened in the past, to think about the Messiah that was coming, we're not sure that they really recognized that that Messiah was sitting right in front of them. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was the one who was dining with his disciples. Maybe that explains why just a couple of moments after these events, the disciples deserted him. They fled. They ran away from him when everything looked like it was going haywire. And yet still, the selflessness of Jesus the love of Jesus to sit down at a meal with his disciples to celebrate that Passover and then take it even one step further. This was Jesus' last meal before his execution and his thoughts were not for himself but for others. I think you're probably aware that, that in, in our country today in the states where capital punishment is still practiced, that generally speaking, Sometime shortly before the execution of an inmate, they have a chance to select what they want for their final meal. I did a little research this week because I was interested in what final meals some of those inmates chose. And my favorite was a man by the name of Peter Miniel. He was sentenced to die and his execution happened back in 2004, but Here's a picture of what he requested for his last meal. Tacos, enchiladas, two triple cheeseburgers, an entire pizza, some spaghetti, two cakes, one vanilla, one chocolate, all of the things to wash it down. The estimates are that he requested over 30,000 calories to eat for his final meal. There's no indication how much he was actually able to finish, but, but in a way, we, we almost can't blame him, can we? Knowing that that was the last meal that he was going to eat, he wanted a taste of all of his favorite foods. Can't blame him for thinking about himself. But doesn't that highlight what Jesus is doing here on Monday, Thursday evening all the more? There's not one thought that Jesus has about himself. Instead, he institutes the meal. He has this meal with his disciples for not just their benefit, but for ours too. Listen to Luke describe how special this meal is. 
He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As the disciples celebrated the Passover, eating the unleavened bread of that Passover, it was time for Jesus to make that meal even more significant. And so he does. He takes the bread, gives thanks, breaks it, distributes to the disciples, and then these words, amazing words, words that are hard to grasp with our human minds. This is my body. In a way that I can't explain, in a way that our reason simply can't comprehend, Jesus was giving the disciples more than just a piece of bread. He was giving them his very body. And it didn't stop there. He gave them the cup. This is a familiar Greek expression to talk about the objects that were in the cup by mentioning the cup. It's called a metonym. And so the cup is not what the disciples were actually drinking, but the contents, the wine. And so Jesus offers them the cup and says, this is my blood. Again, I can't explain to you how that wine and that bread could be Jesus' body and blood, but Jesus' words are clear. He simply wants the disciples to know that he's giving them something that they could hold on to. He's offering them the very body and blood that he was about to offer on the cross. Jesus says it so clearly. This is my body given for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Jesus is reminding the disciples and us is that his sacrifice on the cross, the body and blood of Jesus that we receive in the bread and wine is our forgiveness. The forgiveness of our sins and the sure hope of a life forever with him. See, what makes Jesus' meal, the meal of Jesus, so special is that he was giving the disciples of himself. He was selflessly providing not just for that evening, but for their whole lives, all the way to eternity. Luke has one more comment that connects this meal to the Passover. Just like the Old Testament people were to commemorate the Passover, Jesus says this, Do this in remembrance of me. Isn't that awesome that we get to do that tonight? Remember Jesus. Remember his sacrifice for our sins. Remember that the very body and blood that we are receiving with the bread and wine is what Jesus offered on the cross to assure us of the forgiveness of sins. We read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that, that every time we receive the bread and drink the wine, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. In effect, as you come to the Lord's table tonight, as we take the bread and wine, receive the body and blood of Jesus, we are saying this, Jesus, you died for me. That sacrifice on the cross that you made is what is my confidence and my hope and my joy in the forgiveness of sins that you have given me. One pastor once said, what makes this meal of Jesus so special? It isn't that we couldn't be forgiven without it. 
Jesus' forgiveness is ours through faith. But here, at the Lord's table, there's forgiveness we can taste. There's something tangible that we receive in the Lord's Supper that that reminds us of that forgiveness of sins and assures us that that's exactly what Jesus has done. Those are the blessings you can count on every single time you come to the Lord's table. That Jesus' very body and blood given on the cross for you is your hope and your joy. You see, we aren't all that different from the disciples, are we? We sometimes get caught up in the things of this life and forget how special this meal of Jesus is. Sometimes we, like the disciples, wander away from our Savior when the things in our life become more important to us than our Savior. I suppose we could say that's the same as the disciples deserting Jesus. But that's where Jesus' body and blood comes back. It's once again our assurance that those sins are forgiven, that we are one with God and heirs of eternal life. Like the celebration of the Passover, we too get to look back and look ahead. But our looking back is to the sacrifice of Jesus, to that first Monday, Thursday evening when he instituted this meal, to Good Friday, which we get to see again tomorrow and see the death of Jesus in our place, and then, of course, the joy of Easter when his resurrection guarantees that sins are paid in full. But maybe you caught it as we were reading through it. Jesus also points us ahead in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. When he says, I won't drink of this again until I drink it anew in my Father's kingdom. Just like the food that we eat in this life gives us sustenance for our bodies, the food of the Lord's Supper is a meal for our souls. And it's a meal that Jesus wants us to eat to sustain us not just for this life, but for the life that is to come. What a joy to look ahead to what Jesus has won for us in eternity. Just a couple things for you to take away from our Monday, Thursday service tonight. Number one, the night before he died, Jesus selflessly gave us a special meal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul describes it this way, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation, a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation or a sharing in the body of Christ? That's what we receive in the Lord's Supper. In a way that we can't understand, Jesus' very body and blood. And number two, every time we receive the Lord's Supper, we remember his sacrifice for his sins. As the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yes, Jesus, you died for me. Did you know that some of the deepest memories, the ones that, that hold on in your brain longest, are memories that surround food? I think food memories are so powerful because they use so many of your senses. You can smell food, you can see it, you can taste it. Sometimes you can even hear it, touch it. And all of those senses have a way, using all those senses have a way of, of indelibly imprinting, imprinting something in our brains. I, I'm going to guess that you might be able to think of something that you love to eat right now. And it can almost bring back memories that make your mouth water as you think about it. That's what food memories do. And isn't that exactly what Jesus is providing for us in the meal that he serves tonight? 
a memorable meal, a meal in which we remember Jesus and everything that he's done for us, a meal in which Jesus gives us forgiveness that we can taste, and a meal which promises and assures us of life forever with him in heaven. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.